Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. It looks like my intention of making this show interactive is slowly happening. Last week, I had five callers. They asked interesting questions. So uh, today, we'll again, we'll have an open mic. Anybody can call with questions or comments regarding health and well-being. You can also call in with your night dreams. You know I love working with night dreams, and you know how important they are by now. I already had a show, two shows about night dreams, and one time a repeat show because I wasn't able to, to be uh, present at one show. Anyway, you are absolutely welcome to call. The number here is 888-874-4888. I repeat again, 888-874-4888. And you also can mail me at drpeterresnik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N ik at gmail.com uh, remember <laughs> just to write short emails but i receive very very sweet emails and um, the day before yesterday i received an email from someone by the name eliana uh, she permit i spoke to her um, through email and she permitted me to give her name and she asked me about backache. She said that she had backache. And she asked me to talk about it. And I thought rather than just sharing with her my ideas, it would be useful that everyone, there are probably other people who are dealing with backache. And they could also benefit from uh, what I have to say. So Backache. First, I'm not sure where where she has the backache. Different, whether it's a lower back or shoulders. I hope uh, if Ileana is listening to us, maybe she can call in also, and uh, because I will offer her some and others who are interested some uh, ideas and practical exercises to deal with the backache. But basically, uh, we, we all know by now, I hope, uh, because I spoke about it many times on this show, that there is a meaning to every part of our body. So, and there is meaning to pain. So don't fight the pain. The pain is just a messenger, just like uh, the other day I has, I saw somebody, uh, let's call him John, and he told me that he had great anxiety. Uh, he was, he is to do a presentation. And normally, he's okay uh, speaking in public. Um, right now, he's taking a course. Uh, it's a writing course. And um, the assignment was to write about yourself and then present it by just reading the text. 
And so I ask him to tell me where in the body he feels this anxiety. And he said that he has been feeling this anxiety and discomfort in the body since the assignment was given, which was a week before. I asked him to scan his body. And he said that the tension was in the belly. So I asked him to close his eyes and go into the belly to imagine in any way he can this tension. And he closed his eyes and said that he saw it was like a black mass. And I said, thank this black mass uh, for al allowing you to see it in this form. Because that black math, math uh, is conscious. It's aware of me, aware of him, of, of John. And it chooses to present itself as this black mass. So I ask him to ask this black mass uh, first to thank it for appearing and to thank for being present in John's life because he knows through me advising him on that, that this pain or this black mass came with a purpose. It's a messenger. So I asked, John asked, what is the message that uh, this black mass is carrying? And it said to him, which means the thought popped into his, popped into his mind. And that is where assumed it was the reply of this black mass that the message was, you may say too much. Often you speak too much and you may reveal more than you would like to and then you will regret about it. And when John opened his eyes, he told me this, what this black mass told him. So I said, I suggested to John that he writes an outline, uh, writes the, the paper and then a short outline for himself of what he is going to talk about, and then make a line, literally make write, draw a line and say under it, this is my boundary. That's how far I will go. I will re reveal not more than that. And then I said to John, you can go back and say to this black mass of what you decided to do. And when he went back, he smiled with his eyes closed and said, now it doesn't look black, it looks green. So then he opened his eyes and he said that he felt much, much lighter, that the tightness disappeared. And my belief is that uh, he will not have the anxiety. So that pain came with a purpose. So if you have, um, Ileana, if you have a backache, we understand that technically it's an interruption of flow, of flow of what? Of energy. Uh, East Indians call it prana. In English, we call it air. Uh, the Chinese call it qi. In Hebrew, it's called the ruach, the spirit. So, and when a person is making up some kind of sto a story or there is an unresolved issue, 
just like in this situation with John, then there is an interruption of flow of this energy that sustains us. So it is not against us. It is, there is interruption and we need to go into the place of interruption and engage it and find out what the message is and then make a correction. Uh, for example, um, according to Chinese medicine, uh, pain in the lower back is uh, often, if not most of the time, is an issue of stagnating energy, sexual energy. A pain in your shoulders would be about shouldering things in life, perhaps shouldering responsibilities in your family. Uh, because with your shoulders and, and your back, that's what supports your whole body. So there is definitely somewhere uh, something that is overdone or possibly underdone if this is a, an issue of um, possibly um, problems in sexual life or absence of that. So if you, if indeed, let's say, I, let's go from below up, let's say if you have some issues with sex, uh, and energy indeed is stagnating, mm, then give me a call and in two minutes I will show you an exercise, a physical exercise to do that will help to, to move the energy. Because you know, uh, Tibetan monks um, uh, um, take a vow of abstinence and they don't have sexual relations and yet they're not sick. They're not, they're not suffering from pain and they don't have high rate of prostate cancer because they do these exercises. So if it is an, an exercise of uh, carrying a lot of weight, uh, if anybody wants me to do an exercise, please, you can call right now so that I know uh, and I will actually do the exercise unless you call. I will just tell you what to do if somebody wants to do it at home. Uh, you close your eyes and, and you go actually uh, and see with your eyes closed what is it that you're carrying on your back. And literally whatever you carry, recognize what it is. And if it's spontaneous, you will be surprised. You will be surprised that an image will come. In fact, one time I did this exercise, uh, I asked a person who had backache to see himself uh, carrying uh, weights, the, the weight of his life and what he sees. And he said he saw a platform and his wife and his mother-in-law were sitting on the platform. So your images never lie. Imagination always reveals to you what is true. The question is, what do you do about it? And that's, you can do it, um, address it in two ways. One is logistically. If you recognize that you're carrying too much weight, or again, if there is a lack of uh, sexual activity or intimacy, then uh, you have to, in first case, address the issues that you're overdoing and 
and its unfair sharing of responsibilities. In the second situation, you have to address it by uh, hopefully finding a partner or doing this physical exercises and if this is an issue anybody can write to me or call and i it's, you know, i will not charge money for it it will me take me two minutes to show you the exercise and it really works i recommend it to many people this exercise if you do not have sexual uh, sex life it will help you to move the energy because once the energy stagnates it becomes pain or god forbid something more serious now, uh, the whole, uh, microphone is yours. If anybody has a question or comment, you're welcome to call. I gave you the number, and I will be happy uh, to take the call. No call so far. Okay, I will continue talking because I promised you uh, I started the question on the, the issue of apathy. Remember, we're slowly, slowly progressing with the six pillars of well-being. And we were still on the fifth pillar. We're talking about our um, conscious attitudes and character traits. And we covered already many. And uh, a couple of shows ago, I started talking about apathy. And I covered apathy uh, that comes as a result of meaningless, meaninglessness, that is absence of meaning in life. And I spoke about uh, um, apathy resulted from hopelessness, uh, that is trying over and over again and not succeeding, and then the person becomes apathetic, gives up. But there is one more, there are, there, there are other not, not just one, but there is one more uh, source of apathy that I wanted to talk to you about, and that is apathy, which is a result of laziness. Now, some psychologists would say, Peter Resnick, you are making it up, it's not psychological, it's, a, it's like a, an insult, you call somebody lazy. There are deeper reasons why somebody is not willing to do it, well, I have to tell you, with some people, yes, there is resistance, there is fear of success, but some people are just damn lazy. That's what I notice. Some people just are lazy. And, and that is, they would rather not move, and it became habitual. Maybe there was some time, yes, maybe there were some psychological reasons uh, many years ago, and then it became a habit. Uh, so what? You can spend uh, maybe a couple of years on the couch of a psychoanalyst trying to figure out why you are lazy, but there is, there is no trauma that you can remember, and there is meaning in your life. Your, your things are happening in your life, and you have a family, you have people that love you, and yet you're still not doing what you need to do, you are simply lazy. Someone told me once, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, anytime if you call, think about whatever question you want to ask, 
uh, and call. I will gladly interrupt my talk and respond to you. Remember, also in the last in the last show, I asked you to help me out. If you remember with what, I said that there were thirteen uh, attitudinal challenges that we have that I listed. Uh, but then I came up with three more, and I did not write about them yet. So I would like you to contribute if you can. And that stubbornness, uh, self-centeredness, and what else? I will have to look up. Stubbornness, self-centeredness, and in, 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 in patience, yes. So, uh, contribute, please, if you want to write to me. It would be very nice. Uh, the, the sources of those um, and how you suggest to address them, because it's still ahead of me. I need to write to write about it. I didn't find time to sit down and work on it. Anyway, now let's talk about um, apathy that is laziness. Someone told me once. I'm so lazy, nobody can make me exercise. I am just a blob. I gave up on myself. I sit here and eat and feel sorry for myself. And of course, uh, we could go and explore why doesn't he make an effort, maybe his childhood, maybe his relationships. But I took his word about laziness is true. I just accepted that he is lazy. He, uh, I knew that he had an excellent job. Uh, his wife loved him. And he loved his wife. And he had a wonderful, they both had a wonderful daughter. So I accepted that he became a pathetic uh, only in the relationship with his body. His wife loves him uh, in, with his excess weight, uh, never made any comments. And it's easier not to exercise, for example, than exercise, obviously. So I said, really? You are that lazy that nothing can um, make you exercise? And she said, absolutely nothing. I tried, you know, I, I tried to, to pay... Um, what is they call it, a personal trainer to come home. Still, I, I did a couple of times and, and uh, in the middle, I said, I paid this trainer and said, I'm, I'm fine for today, it's okay. Just don't feel like exercising. And uh, I asked him, uh, did you go to the bathroom today? Uh, and he said, what do you mean? Of course I'm going to the bathroom. I said, in the morning, you were in bed. Did you need to go to the bathroom? He said, yes, I needed to go to the bathroom, and I went to the bathroom. And I said to him, why did you go to the bathroom? You probably had to cross the whole room, the whole bed. Why wouldn't you do it right there in bed? Well, he said, what do you mean? <laughs> It would be inappropriate, it would stink, it, I would ruin the bed. I said, you see? So 
you made an effort. You're not totally lazy. You made an effort because you were not willing. But it's so nice. You know, you're in a warm bed. It feels so comfortable. Why to move? And yet you still did move because you did not want to pay the price. The same thing, imagine if there would be a fire and you are feeling so lazy, you are overwhelmed. You, in fact, you may, maybe did something, you maybe walked for half an hour, and now you're completely exhausted and nothing can move you. But believe me, you would be the first one to run for your life. If there would be a sudden, you, you smelled fire. So here's what I want you to do, ladies and gentlemen. If you find yourself being lazy, that is, there was no trauma, um, you, didn't, you didn't try a hundred times to do something and gave up because of being desperate, just you decide, decided that you're lazy. Take a sheet of paper and write about the price you're paying now, today, for being lazy. Be honest with yourself. What is it that you are missing out on? Take your time. Of course, if you if you have a sheet of paper and a pen and old people, these days people uh, type on their cell phones. Write down every single thing. Now make another note or take another sheet of paper and on it write how this laziness will appear how it will snowball one year into the future. Describe yourself one year from now and how this laziness, just imagine yourself being a year from now and look back and see how this laziness affected your life. Where you are physically, mental and emotional What do you say to yourself as you see that one year is over, past, and you permitted yourself to be a victim of this laziness? Feel it. You can actually do it as an imagery exercise. But see yourself a year from now, staying just where you are with your laziness. How do you feel about yourself? What kind of role model are you to those who look up to you? And now, bring yourself five years into the future with all these problems snowballing five more years of laziness. Write down or imagine how you lived with this laziness for five more years. 
how it affected you mentally, emotionally, financially, possibly. What do you say to yourself as you see that you allowed this laziness to control you for five more years and feel the pain? Stay with it. Stay with it. And if you're doing imagery, you can open your eyes. And if you were writing, you can put that paper aside. And take another sheet of paper and write down how your life would be affected if today, right after this show, you were to make a total and absolute commitment to make an effort every day and to do what you need to do to make your life work for you. If you were to say to yourself, I am no longer a lazy person and live it. And with that commitment, bring yourself one year into the future and describe, you can close your eyes, and describe in detail, if you want to write down or imagine in detail, how living this year with full presence, effort and commitment affected your life. Where are you emotional, mentally, physically? financially, spiritually? How do you feel about yourself? What kind of role model are you to those who look up to you? And now, bring yourself five years into the future and see yourself five years from now. Living with total commitment, total self of control, having your word being a law, you decide it and you do. And five years of this, no more laziness, your person of your word, and you do what you need to do, and you make the right choices, how this kind of life affected you for five years? Where are you mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually? What do you say to yourself? How do you feel about yourself? What kind of role model are you now to those who look up to you? And finally, put this image aside or this paper aside and sit quietly and close your eyes if you can. And look or think about those two very different destinies. Know that they are only possibilities of the future. 
neither of them happened yet. And in your mind, make a choice now. And if you chose life, if you chose to make an effort, start every day with acknowledging something in your life that you are grateful for. And then reading the last two sheets of paper that you wrote about what is going to happen, how your life will unfold if you choose to no longer be lazy. Leave it. And please uh, be generous and share with others. I would very much appreciate that if you try this out, this approach, uh, this technique, that you call us and share with what impact this exercise, if at all, uh, had on your life. And now I will take phone calls. If anybody wants to call, please, with your questions, with your comments about this exercise, this idea about laziness or anything else. Nobody is calling. Okay. Okay. I will continue talking then. <laughs> Yeah, so I got over, overly excited last time, five people called, but today so far nobody did. Okay, so we'll, let's talk about the next subject. We did speak about uh, apathy now, but let's talk about vanity that we did not cover yet. Vanity is very, a very interesting subject. All things are vanity. This line from the book of Ecclesiastes rings as true today <laughs> as uh, on the day it was written uh, 2,500 years ago. Oh, yeah. More than 3,000 years ago. Much, much of our economy is built on vanity on helping people to maintain the right image. Things, think of the money spent on cosmetics, on trendy clothes, on flashy cars. All you need to do to see with your own eyes what vanity can do to people is to go on the internet and, and type <laughs> words before and after. Uh, you know, I've done it. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's first it's like funny, and then it's tragic, and it's sad. You will see hundreds of photographs of celebrities who have done plastic surgeries, grotesquely changed faces, smiles, and foreheads frozen by Botox, huge balloons instead of natural women's breasts and male bodies distorted by bloated veins and pumped up my muscles. That's all vanity. 
uh, and you know there is there is a whole industry of bodybuilding. Uh, I don't know. I cannot call it sports. Uh, it's something yeah, pumping your body to to look better than somebody else to win. Uh, it's interesting when uh, I, I remember I read a book. It's it, more documentary than it's not fiction, and it was described. Oops, somebody called Gabriel New York. Yeah, I'm very happy to have Gabriel of New York. Gabriel, you on the air. Oh, good afternoon. Good I was afternoon. I I'm sorry I'm delayed in calling, but I was listening to you intently, and you hit on something that in the last few months I've been doing to myself is to motivate myself, and I'll say. For the smallest things, I said, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. <laughs> I just said, that was so funny. I said, I never said that to myself before, but I just thought, you know, just little things I, that you put on the back burner, and I just said, don't be lazy. <laughs> uh-huh. and, um, and I talked to you last week. I know you remember about anger. And I was like, I'm, it's, it's, would you, would you I remind me? I remember your name, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that I was telling you as of lately, I've been feeling anger, and I was trying to explore that oh, with right. myself. Yes, yes, you called about the anger, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So happy you called because I, I always want to have a feedback. Did you? I I don't remember exactly what I suggested, but uh, yeah. did you? Did I suggest something, and did you apply it? I didn't. I wasn't diligent enough to do do it, but I. Um, I need more time than a week to, to, to but I, I'm thinking more of myself. I'm, I might have gave the wrong impression that I'm ang- angry with people, but I believe I'm more angry with myself. Well, and, um, anger is anger. It, 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 <laughs> anger yeah. is not good for anybody, regardless. It's, uh, in fact, Gabriel, I want to tell you something. Actually, anger mm-hmm. yourself I believe is more harmful than anger at somebody mm-hmm. uh, because you you can be angry for X amount of time, particularly if somebody kind of attacked you or said something negative and you get angry and then you explode, mm-hmm. you, you fight and then it's over, mm-hmm. you're finished, mm-hmm. which means you have an adversary. But when you are angry at yourself, there is no to protect, no one to protect you. You see, if somebody is angry with you, or if you are angry with someone, you you are in the mode of protecting yourself. But when you are angry with yourself, nobody protects you. So you can say yeah. terrible, terrible things to yourself about yourself. And remember, when you repeat over and over and over the same word, it becomes a suggestion. That's how hypnosis works. Hypnosis works mm-hmm. by repeating a suggestion over and over and over again. It's one of the ways to, to you know, they call it brainwashing people, mm-hmm. right? So yes. the same thing, I want to suggest something about, about laziness and you saying, don't be lazy. Yeah, and thank you mm-hmm. for bringing it up because actually I, I failed to say this. Uh, in my presentation today about laziness. I had to identify laziness and call it laziness, but I don't want you people to call yourself lazy or 
or to say don't be lazy. Why? Because when you say the word lazy, do you see yourself being active, being strong, being confident? No, you see a lazy person. You mm. understand? So you mm. reinforce the laziness. It's just like, you know, a person who, who says, I, should, I go to this party, I'm not going to eat this wonderful cake that this, my friend makes. The cake, the cake, oh God, the cake. You understand? Mm -hmm. So you already have an image of the cake. You're already preparing your body to want that cake. So the fact, remember the word no is not registered in our mind. Like mm -hmm. uh, Gabriel, I want to tell you something. Don't think about Abraham Lincoln. Who did you think about now? Huh? Say that like, again, don't, please. Don't think about Abraham Lincoln. Power <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> of course, you cannot not think about him because in order for you to understand what I'm saying, you have to have mm -hmm. an image. So, in the more you try not to think about Abraham Lincoln, the more you're thinking about Abraham Lincoln, and the same thing about the cheesecake. So, when you say uh, I am lazy, or you say, I'm not going to be lazy. You're still talking about lazy. You're still yeah, imagining huh? a lazy person. Instead of doing this, you say to yourself, Gabriel, today you are making an effort. Gabriel, today you are acting so you would be proud about, of yourself. How about that? Yeah, yes. When I, when I say to myself, don't be lazy, I... I, I use it as a motivation and I get up. <laughs> you I say, do. I say, no, I say, don't be lazy, get up. <laughs> yeah, it's good, but what but I'm I saying get, is... I get it's exactly not... what you're saying. Just using the word is a negative, is negative term. It's a negative right. term, yeah. Yeah, so it, I, I don't know how long when you, when you reinforce it with negativity, I don't know how long it lasts. I, I, will, I will tell you, let me tell you a little story. You know, I have an older brother and an older sister. And both, they were wonderful brother and sister. And I, I was like kind of a lazy kid. Uh, lazy because I was lazy. That's it. <laughs> not, not trauma. I was loved by my parents and by my, my sister and my brother. My sister is five years older than me. My brother is seven years old. But my brother was kind of a psychologist, smart from from young, young age. And I remember was I was like maybe nine or ten years old, which means my sister was 16, my brother was 18. And my sister would look at me and say, uh, both, remember, both of them wanted me to do well. Both of them, it was very important at that time in Ukraine to, to exercise, to be strong. And so my sister would say, look at yourself. You, you, all you have is bones and skin. Go and push yourself a little bit. Don't be lazy. Make an effort. And I would get so depressed and I would feel so bad and I wouldn't make an effort. And my brother, again, 18 year old, like would, would come, or 17 years old, would come and say, oh, did you did you do push-ups, Peter? I say, no, it looks like you did something because your muscles look a little stronger. And I am flying now, I feel so good. And then I go and do push-ups. And he would like, mm -hmm. he would tell me things ahead of time that what, I, what he wanted me to do. 
and I would mm -hmm. try to be, to be to fill his kind of image of what, what he was presenting. And I and, and I think that worked. And I think mm -hmm. in many situations, people love us, people want to encourage us, but they encourage us with negativity, and it doesn't work. Yeah. But how do you use reverse psychology on yourself? <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, I uh, in, in the Soviet Union, from where I come, there were studies, because you know there is a lot of alcoholism, particularly in, in Ukraine, where I come from, uh, and they tried to use aversion therapy, which mm -hmm. means, suggest uh, how terrible it is, give them uh, wine with some kind of substance that make them vomit. It mm -hmm. works on a short-term basis, very short. The moment they go out of this rehab, a week later they go back to drinking. That was absolutely proven, that aversion mm -hmm. therapy doesn't work. What does work is what what Alcoholic Anonymous does, uh, where they talk about meaning in life uh, and the goodness that can come out from them not drinking, staying away from alcohol, rather than how bad they are and so on. So I, I believe in positive reinforcement. But, well, it it worked on me at one Fourth of July party. I think I was just about eighteen, and my aunt said, no, "You can have a drink now." And she thought, gave me something scotch and milk, and I thought I'd throw up. And I never thought I'd never touch alcohol in my life. So, <laughs> that so you, actually, you you say that aversion therapy does work. No, I'm saying that. No, I'm saying to you that was my experience with drinking. I and. Um, right. I, no. I couldn't. I couldn't believe that they would drink stuff like that. <laughs> uh -huh. But, but Gabriel, no, no, no. It's I appreciate it. That's fine. <laughs> when I say aversion therapy doesn't work, I talk statistics. It means they yeah, found, yeah, let's say, yeah. uh, well, I never, but I never thought of it that way. I just thought that it, if it tasted good, I probably would have been, you know, more apt to do. She gave me something that she thought that was appropriate for my, my age because it was just horrible for me. Was like, um, um, so, alcohol and milk. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortunately, it worked for you. But what I'm saying is that, let's say, statistically, it doesn't mm -hmm. work. Yeah, I, I get it. God bless you. <laughs> it brought, that up to my mind. But brought that up to my mind going way back, and it kind of says, you know, no, I don't think so. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I, I did enjoy a good wine. But you, actually, when when you're telling me you're where you're from or whatever, you had so much. Uh, I think uh, I'm picturing that almost everybody, whether they become of age or not, they drink a lot. So you have that surrounding you. So you have, you know, it's like part of, part of the culture, you know, as they say, and it's like, so it's kind of hard to avoid uh, getting um, caught up in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Gabriel. Thank you very much for calling. You're welcome. And I'm working on that, but I, I was, and I, I was analyzing myself why I'm, uh, uh, you know, getting me swelled up of uh, anger. Is this, is this, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm too sensitive to you absorb what's going on in the world and then you think about your life, how how you how you reach out to people and help them and then uh, when you need it, you know where to be found. 
<laughs> yeah, if you're still dealing with anger, I, you know, the Buddha said, being angry at someone is like grabbing a handful of hot coals to throw at them, mm-hmm. whose hand burns first. You are yeah, the one who pays right. the price. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I get it. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so keep working, uh, I'll keep working on it and I'll post it. But what I was listening to you intently, I listened from the beginning of the program, I didn't want to interrupt you what you were saying. And then, uh, when you finished that, you talked about um, said, that's what I've been doing to my from, to motivate myself, but I'm I'll do I'll use a more positive word, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. What I want you to carry out today from this talk is uh, if you want to. To motivate yourself, you say, today I will act in a way that I feel proud of myself. Okay. Okay. Today I will act in a way that I feel proud of myself. Thank you very much for calling. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. Mm, Bye-bye. Anybody else wants to, uh, any callers, anybody has any questions? No? Okay. I will continue talking then about... Uh, what did we speak about? Uh, vanity. Yes, vanity. Like many, many other excessive behaviors, vanity springs from insecurity. Uh, we place our security in what others think of us. We constantly seek the affirmation, praise, and respect of other people. That's that's quite dangerous. In fact, um, there was a, uh, an Indian philosopher in our time. He died only forty years ago, Krishnamurti, and he was totally against parents praising their children. You know, with pop psychology. Um, Doc, uh, psychologists or, or even clergy people would say, you have to tell your child, I'm proud of you. Uh, you are so good. I love you. I love you. Yes, that's wonderful. But proud of you, that's a very, what Krishnamurti would say, and I totally agree with him, is setting up a, a person for trouble. Because what you show is you are an authority figure. And you evaluate, you give a value judgment, you're doing well, my son, and I am proud of you. But then you prepare a child, you, in a way, hypnotize the child to depend, uh, we call it in psychology, external locus of control, to depend on somebody outside of themselves to evaluate and to make them feel good. Now imagine your child is six years old and you taught him, I'm so proud of you, you did well, I'm so proud of you. And now this child goes with other children in some place where there is a lake and there is no, you, you're not there, but there is a 12 year old boy and he's an authority. And this boy, your six-year-old looks up to this 12-year-old boy. And the 12-year-old boy says, don't be afraid. Everybody jump in the lake. And 
your son doesn't know how to swim. But he doesn't know he wants the boy to be proud of him and he jumps in the lake, God forbid. You understand? So you want to teach people, uh, children, to be proud, to be comfortable with their own decisions. So uh, from childhood, uh, when, when my uh, son Aaron was little, he would say, Daddy, look what I did. And I would say, um, do you like what you this? And he would say, yes. I would say, I'm happy that you did something that you enjoy. But I wouldn't say, oh, oh, this is so wonderful. I'm proud of you. Uh, because I believe it's a mistake. That it's, it reinforces vanity. You know, people look for, for encouragement. Oh, we have... N, we have N online. Wonderful. I'm so happy to hear from N. N, you on the air. Welcome. Hi, Peter. Thank you. Hi. Uh, it was funny. I was listening to your, you know, take a piece of paper and say the price I'm paying for being lazy and you're in the future. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be better to do like the opposite and think of what it would be like without the laziness? And then you started talking. <laughs> about that, um, which I thought was really, really helpful. And then looking five years in the future also, um, when you make total commitment to doing instead of, you know, saying you're going to do. Um, and for accountability, um, what if you don't have you know, like you were saying, well, you know, role model for children. You don't have children. Um, like in, in my work, it's like I have to be accountable. Somebody places an order, I have to fill the order. So that's there. But in a person, on the personal level, there's no, nobody I have to be accountable to. Yeah, so, I understand. But, but then it's you who you are accountable to, you see? Because... Let's say you look five years from now at yourself, and uh, in truth, or, or five years from now, let's say you, you, you didn't do what you wanted to do just because you were not willing to make an effort. How will you feel about yourself? That's the biggest thing that, we, uh, that motivates us. It's accountability uh, toward with ourselves. So if you don't have uh, children, not, not, not a big deal. Children don't need to motivate you. You, you are your own uh, evaluator. You are your own judge. We, we often judge ourselves. People reach certain age and have a lot of regret. So you don't want to live in regret. And you're an, an intelligent person. So you understand that if you don't do, if you don't make an effort, there will be a lot of regret grief so and you don't want to reach the age of 60 uh and and then you have still a long life and you live in in grief uh as my teacher of blessed memory colette said uh a long time ago that if by the age of 60 a person does not choose spiritual path or some higher meaning, they're beginning to die. Why at the age of 60? 
because at the age of 60, by the age of 60, if you were to make money, you already made money. And if you did not make money, more than likely you won't suddenly start making money at 60. If you were to travel, you already traveled quite enough. And at the age of 60, you may not even want to travel a lot. If you were to have sex, you already had sex. You won't suddenly make it uh, the main priority of your life, which means you really, by the age of 60, you really tried out everything. So then what do you do? There is no meaning. Only when you have some higher meaning, and it can be religious or it can be meaning, uh, usually it's something beyond yourself. For example, organizations, uh, different organizations that help people. That's, I find that, that this is the most fulfilling thing and most motivating thing that can uh, move people. Uh, some, often people will not do it for themselves, but they will do for others. And there are so many, and, and Americans are the most beautiful charitable uh, community in the world. I think nobody helps as much as Americans do. So um, you, there are hundreds of beautiful charitable organizations you can become part of, not just to send a check, but really be part of it and be involved. So that's that's a wonderful thing to to take upon yourself. Uh, yeah, in in my past when I've done volunteering, that yes. yeah that was that was sometimes the highlight, you know, of the week. You know, was oh you know or, or or the day. Sometimes I was doing it five days a week, seven if I could, and it just it it was so rewarding. So yes, yes, and you got to see. Got it. You got it. It's wonderful. Yeah. You see, it's like, you know, when when people have never been in love, like I ask uh, somebody, do you love your husband or you love your boyfriend? And they go, well, what's love? And I know they didn't experience love. Mm. So, but when, when somebody experienced love, they say, oh, yes. And you feel it in their voice and in their posture, because they know what it is to love somebody. The same thing, this bug of giving, it's like a, it's a positive virus. It, it lives in you. Once you experience the joy of it, <clears throat> I don't have time now to tell the story of how I got into this excitement, understanding that the most fulfilling thing is to give. So once you experience, and I, I understand and you experienced it, once you know the joy of giving and seeing results of some change, something that you did, positive results, you never forget and you always want to do more of it, right? Thank you for that reminder. <laughs> and thank you very much for calling. Thank you, Peter. Have a great day. You too. Bye. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the middle of talking uh, about vanity, but we just started. But I'm so, so happy that Gabriel and Anne called. Uh, honestly, that makes my day. Uh, I, I can talk on many subjects. And again, you're welcome to, to write to me and I will address like I was talking today about backache. But the most beautiful thing is really talking to you. 
ladies and gentlemen. That's why, you know, if you remember, I was kind of complaining, saying, I'm not a radio person. I'm used to teaching classes, looking in people's eyes, uh, seeing their responses to exercises. And here on the radio, I talk and I don't see anybody. But you, you probably know I announced that I would teach a free course, four-week course, and it was limited to 10 people. And I, I have 10 people. In fact, yesterday it was the second class of this four-week course. And it's all from you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's my listeners who decided to take this course. So now I no longer feel like, oh, okay, I'm talking into the air and I don't have real faces. No, because I, I seen these beautiful faces and they are people from you you know from from my listeners so i'm happy i thought i was giving to just a gift by teaching the course but i received actually a gift of being able now to see real faces when i talk to you my my dear audience and thank you again being for being with me today i'm looking forward to having your attention next week and peace to all who want to live in peace <laughs>